Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Agmoth Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. I'm Andy, and I'm joined by regular co-hosts Zach and George, and we've got some events to talk about this week, and we're going to lead straight off by uh, jumping in and having a look what went 4-0. Uh, yeah, so we fired a daily event last week. Hooray! Um, unfortunately, I was at work, so I couldn't play in it. Boo! And in first place, we've got Timmins with four-color... Uh, Fish deck using red. Um, this looks to be almost an exact copy of the deck that he played with last time. He's got he's got red for Grim Lavamancer out of the sideboard to combat fish and hermit druid. Other than that, it looks like the same old deck. What do you think? He is running two Mental Misstep, and I know you hate it, George, but uh, Zach and I were playing a lot of games this week, and Mental Misstep was. Uh, a house in some of those games. I wouldn't say I hate it. I would just say that I respect it less than you two do. <laughs> okay, well, that's a fair uh, fair assumption. So, uh, yeah, Zach, anything else on this one before we move on? Eh, not really. It looks like a good deck, and the two null rods could be cool. So, I don't know. Cool, cool. Going 3-1 and one was Excorpio um, with his Hermit Druid list again. And um, managed to beat um, Excorpio in the TP room this week. Um, the Hermit Druid deck is is so much better than we first gave it credit for on uh, by looking at it on paper. Um, so many different and there's a control element to it as well. Um, similar list to what he's played previously. So I don't have too much to chip in on this one. Um, I played him today in the daily event that uh, happened in uh, about an hour and a half ago, since we're from when we record this, and he changed it up with some with some uh, commander cards, and I think it's even better now. Uh, so he cut the... He cut the Dragon's Breath, and he cut the Sutured Ghoul, and he had to have cut one other card. But in their places, he is running a Mimeoplasm and a Giant Solifuge. Yeah, he had the Giant Solifuge in the, in the tournament practice room the other day as well, which seemed like pretty legitimate... So, so now, for people who don't know, I mean, before Dragon's Breath would hit Sutured Ghoul when it came into play, and Sutured Ghoul would remove Lord of Extinction from the graveyard, become, like, a 45-45. Now, instead, he will Dread Return the Mimeoplasm and exile uh, Giant Solifuge to give it Haste and Shroud and start it off as a 4-1, and then the secondary uh, exile will be Lord of Extinction, to give it like another 50 power. And you've got a 50 power trampling, uh, hasty, shrouded giant solifuge. Yeah, it seems pretty good. The only question I have is what the heck is Fume Spitter in the sideboard for? Uh, Grim Lavamancer and possibly Dredge. Grim Lavamancer and Dredge. Okay, that's fair. So it looks like a cool deck, and it's been performing well. And uh, next deck on the list, we are kind of all a little bit intrigued with, and this guy seems like a nice enough chap. It's uh, Aaron M67, and he went three and one with a deck that was running. Um, you know, it's not four main deck, so I don't think it's challenge worthy. But this guy's running four Library of Alexandria in his deck, and he placed on <coughs> the money, and it's a storm deck, and it's really cool. What do you guys think about this one? Um, I really, I mean, it's a storm deck. I, I have this deck except for having four libraries built up in my deck editor as well. I do like the libraries because they actually are really good against workshop decks when you're playing the, uh, the storm 
matchup because I mean the deck the matchup is so one sided against against you when you're playing against shops that just being able to draw extra cards into your Hercules recall seems like it might be you know good enough. Yeah, so I mean that'll help a lot. But what what you know one of the things that kind of scares me a little bit. I'm looking at the deck and if he doesn't get off uh, Yog Will and he gets that tendrils discarded, I don't know if he has a way to win. Does he outside of creature beat? Uh, he he has Tinker into Mer Battle Sphere, but yeah. I don't know about that either. I'm not sure. I only run one Tendrils in my dedicated LED deck. Yeah, that's fair enough. He's also got the the Time Vault combo to kind of uh, take infinite turns, control the game, and then just maybe get there with Dark Confidence and, and, the, and the Battle Sphere once that's in place. Uh, there's also that. But uh, so Endless Nameless has the challenge for a free foil Time Vault, and the stipulation is that you 4-0 an event with four Library of Alexandrias. If it were me and I were giving away a foil-time vault, I would say that the 2-2 two -two split would warrant a four times because he does sideboard them in in a lot of matches. However, he only went 3-1. True enough, true enough. So he got close, and it looks like it performed really well. I guess we'll have to keep an eye on this in the future, hoping more... Yeah, uh, the the four Serenity and the sideboard are worth noting as well. Yeah, I, I like the four serenities. I'm not sure if I like killing my mana base, but I mean, I do it for red instead of white. It seems like it would be all right. Yeah, it doesn't look too tough to pull off. I mean, he's only running two white lands, and he has a bunch of fetches. So, plus he's running the petals. Um, the bo the bonus of serenity is that it kills everything on the other side of the table. The bad part of serenity, though, is that I mean, you might not be able to get to cast it, because it starts off at two. Yeah. To me, the next list is the, the most exciting. It's um, one of our clanmates, Adrian uh, Bat Batguts, and he's running a, a pretty techie oath, oath deck. Zach, do you want to talk us through this? Um, yeah. It, it looks like it's a, uh, at, at face value, it's a normal good game oath list with uh, Dragon's Breath and, you know, the oath creatures. You do see Gataxian Probe in the main deck, but... If you look at the sideboard, it's a fully transformational Hermit Druid deck. And I don't... Ha have we seen that before, guys? No, this is a first. It's, and I think it's excellent. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, uh, when... when George, if you were running a deck like this, when would you do the switch up against what kind of a deck? Fish. Every time. Fish. That's cool. Um, because, like, I, I said it in my uh, last video article that... Deal with the druids and fish. I I think it slightly favors fish, and so in game two they sideboard in extra nature's claims and stuff, and you just hermit druid them out because they have no graveyard hate. Oh, cool! Yeah, that that is uh, a tough out. I mean, is this you know is this one of the things that you you could see other people turn into? Like, do you think this is possibly like good enough against one archetype, or do you think it really warrants switching up in multiple games? Well, I talked to uh, Adrian about this because I loved it when I saw it, same as, you know, Andy and you. And he seems to think that it's a one-trick pony, but I think that it's actually good enough to continue going. Cool. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe tune up the main deck a little bit to, you know, better take advantage of your sideboard. But other than that, yeah, I think it's, I think it's good enough to be a legitimate sub-arc type of uh, Earth. Very cool. 
Yeah, so I guess over the typical Hermit Druid, once you've sideboarded, you're, you're missing the Elvish Spirit Guide for the acceleration into Hermit Druid, but critically you're missing the, the Worldly Tutor as well, which effectively gives you eight copies of Hermit Druid and, and a way to kind of land one in the early game. I wonder how significant it is to, to, to run this without, without the Worldly Tutor, because that seems to be where the, the redundancy comes in and the, the broken early plays come from. Well, you see, the interesting thing is, is you can sideboard out your Emrakul and still leave in Oath of Druids for Bladesteel Colossus. And your Tinker for Bladesteel Colossus. You can run both combos in your deck. You know what's, what's, what's kind of funny is, like, possibly what would be argued to be the jankiest slash worst card in the deck is good in both versions and you never have to side it in or out, which is uh, Dragon's Breath. It is funny that that is, like, the card you wouldn't side out. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I personally feel like there is room within this specific list to uh, further tune and innovate. Cool. Yeah, well, what we should also talk about is the um, inclusion of uh, Therapy and, uh, and Probe in the list. Yeah, uh, well, Therapy, you know, helps combo out for the Hermit Druid side. And Jataxi and Probe, like... Do I go for turn one uh, with the Druids or not? Seems pretty good. Yeah, and there's a natural synergy between the two cards as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, if you can, if you can uh, lay down a Cabal, uh, or, uh, I'm sorry, a Gitaxian Probe and then uh, hit with Cabal Therapy and then possibly sack a Forbidden Orchard token that your opponent gave you and hit again with Cabal Therapy, seems like it would be pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty devastating. Um... It's, it's definitely one I think we should keep our eye on, and let's see if anybody else out there, you know, hopefully this this is kind of the stuff that we need to spice up Classic a little bit. It can't be the same deck over and over again. Yeah, I, this is the kind of reason that I love Classic, because, yeah, it's an Oath of Druids deck, but it's one that we've never seen before and has the potential to be a real deck. So, George, you want to take us into the next deck here? All right, so now we have kind of a regular Oath of Druids deck by... Ramira, th uh, Ramira, who 3 one He is the last placing person. Um, it's good game. We've got one dragon breath. I think I'm the only person who plays two dragons breath anymore. I, I like being able to almost always have dragons breath. Um, other than that, he's got some stifles in the main deck and a Tezzeret. I like having Tezzeret. I don't know if I would keep a main deck, though, with how many shop decks are in the format. But uh, it looks looks all right, and then the sideboard. He actually looks like he runs a little weak on the shop matchup, which I'm not a big fan of. Well, he's got the uh, two steel sabotage in the sideboard and main deck. He has one steel sabotage and any nature's claims in there. No nature's claims, just two ancient grudges. Oh well, that's that's kind of hot. I do have to admit, I like Ancient Grudge. Oh yeah, I have I have two in my deck as well, with a third in the sideboard. So yeah, he also runs the four ley lines of sanctity. So you got to think, even in uh, a mirror matchup, he might be favored a little bit there, right? Uh yeah, sure. I think that I would personally rather have Nature's Claim, although ley line of sanctity does pull double duty against uh, combo decks. Yeah, stop storm. straight straight combo. Definitely. So in that in that mirror match where you're bringing in the four leyline of sanctity and uh, looking to take stuff out of the deck, do you, do you reduce the number of copies of Oath of Druids that you're running? 
See, and that's the reason that I'd rather have nature's claim, because usually when I sideboard, I automatically take out three Oath of Druids in the mirror match. Yeah, I, I would definitely, that would be three of the Ley Lines of Sanctity right there. Yeah, but if you sideboard in Ley Line of Sanctity and side out your Oath of Druids, you just make yourself slow for no reason. Well, that's why I run uh, stuff like Show and Tell, so I have other outs. Yeah, Show and Tell is a good one. Um, I, I like that he has a ton of Dredge Hate. Unfortunately, I think that it's unnecessary in the metagame. Very cool, very cool. So that uh, that wraps up the event, and it looks like we had a overall archetype wrap-up. Andy, you want to go over what the event saw? Yeah, sure. So there was uh, five Oath of Druids decks showing up. There was uh, Christmas Beatings. This was a, a, a deck that was, uh, George put together for Penguin TV recently. Um, powerhouse in that deck was uh, Magus of the Moon, and uh, someone took uh, took up the videos and built the deck and uh, piloted in the event. Sadly, they didn't make the the money with it, but um, it's good to see some innovation in the field and uh, and and George's impact in in the deck building. There's, yeah, he uh, was he was technically a join and drop. He just he oh, just okay. joined he joined to help at fire and he played round one. Oh well, I mean it's it good was, that we got friends to fire. It was uh, M Mog who who okay. ran the Christmas beatings, and I'm sure he'll listen to this and post in the in the uh, comments and you know do it, Mog. Uh, well, get on to Mog in a minute because been uh, instrumental in getting a, a classic player run event league going, and we'll we'll get to that. But we'll just round out this uh, this meta game. There was um, the four coloured fish, green white hate, dredge, hermit druid. Shops, the LED Stormless that we've already seen. Um, Blue Affinity, I, I, I don't know, maybe that's with uh, Thorexian Metamorph, is it, George? Uh, okay, so when I watched the games, A, he didn't win very many of them, so I didn't see a whole lot of islands, and I saw Affinity cards and Lodestone Golem. So I don't know if he was running Mishra's Workshop as well. I'm sure that he was. But it looked like in a it looked like a legacy affinity deck with blue with uh, islands. Okay, well, well, we'll see what what comes of that. Uh, Scorpio with his hermit druid, and then um, a couple of random people who hopefully just joined to uh, to get this event to fire. Yep, we've so, got three. We've I, we've got three join drops who you know they just wanted to get it to fire. Hooray for you yeah. guys! <laughs> so um. In recent times, Classic's been struggling to fire, so um, one of the, the regular posters on the ClassicQuarter.com and indeed in the comments below of, uh, of the soap opera, um, M. Mog, um, decided to establish um, a, a Classic player-run league. And um, uh, into Season 1, um, Round 1s have, have been played and they're in the book, and uh, we thought it would be interesting to uh, talk about our own decks and uh, maybe talk about what happened to us in, uh, in Round 1 of the league. Um, for those of you who don't know, there's information about it on um, ClassicQuarter.com, and I know MM, uh, MMOG is writing up an article to go up live on Pure MTGO soon. And uh, get involved, have a look, and uh, may maybe you'd be interested in uh, joining up for Season 2 if you weren't involved this time around. Um, guys, you got anything to say about the overall um, inception of the league and uh, your thoughts on it? Um, all right, so when this all came about, I personally was against having deckless public for the Swiss rounds. Um, I think that it's all right now. I, I understand why we have to do it, because we can't just, you know, plug in one deck and then not change it. It's not available for us to do that in the system. It would have to be on the honor system. So having having a enforcement to the honor system seems good. And I like, I, I like the idea... 
I don't like that I lost round one, but I do like the idea of the league. And I would just like to ask if we can call it a preg from now on. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, in, in terms of having the deck lists um, invisible, I, I was one of the kind of campaigners for that. And uh, as well as having integrity by everyone being able to be sure that their their opponent was shuffling up the cards they registered, um, I also thought it was it was useful in in, in being able to kind of um, drive innovation in the format and and to get people to see decks and get people interested in in in, in following the event as as a kind of um, onlooker. And uh, Mmog is just about to put up an article, as I said, on, on puremtgo.com um, with all the lists um, beautifully illustrated in um, typical kind of uh, pure MTGO deck list fashion. And uh, I think that's a good resource, and I think that's something that's that's really worth getting out there at this stage, so people can have a look at the lists and uh, maybe watch some of the replays that are happening of the, of the league um, as they go through and uh, follow some of the coverage. So, yeah, it wasn't just around the integrity, but also around the kind of promotion of classic as well. Yeah, and I just want to point out that because I didn't want uh, lists published in the Swiss does not mean that I wanted to cheat. It's the exact opposite. I as well wanted the innovation. And personally, I was not willing to play something off the wall if people knew my exact list from round one. Because part of the reason of playing an off-the-wall deck is that they don't know what's in your deck list. And they will make play mistakes because they don't know how to play against it. And then, you know, once we cut the top eight, you can make the list public for the top eight players. That's that's the reason that I did not want list public. Yeah, also Yeah, sure. I can see that argument. And 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 I'll say from my perspective here, I think I think it's a really cool event. You know, I'm definitely not joining, let's say, for the prizes or whatnot. I'm I, I kind of Which are really good. Yeah, the, the the prizes are great, but I think it's kinda of cool because it gives me a chance to play in a not necessarily sanctioned, but recognized classic event and something that, you know, it's going to be high-level players. And it's it's kind of cool because although I'm working and I have a family, we can do it on our own time and come up with something that's mutually beneficial for both of the, uh, let's say, combatants there. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It helps draw new players into the tournaments, and it helps the tournament players who just don't have the time to get into an event play tournament magic. Yep. There, there were there weren't all that many new players uh, coming into season one, but hopefully we can gather some momentum and uh, draw more people into season two. There are a few new faces. Yeah, there there are a few new faces, and uh, personally, I know that Mog will hype up the second season a little bit more in advance than the first one. And you know, I will throw something into the prize pool to try and make it spicy for the second season. Yeah, and we got to give Mog a lot of credit here, like Andy said already, because this, you know, when you, when you, I guess, intimate, yeah, he'll he'll do a lot more to hype up season two. I think, if I remember correctly, he posed this as a question, like, would anyone be interested in blah blah blah? And everyone, you know, he had some pretty good feedback, and I think this is about two weeks later, the league's, you know, set up and running. Yeah, and on top of that, we got thirty-two players for the first season. Technically, we got 34, but one person joined with two accounts in the same email and was found out. And Mog just did the right thing and dropped both accounts. Yep. Very cool. So, uh, guys, it looks like we have our deck list posted here, and I guess we should go through them top to bottom. Uh, Andy, yeah. you want to start out? I just want to say before you start out, Andy, I love that you put the extra time into the deck list to uh, 
sort the cards into functionalities. Yeah, I just thought it might be easier as we go through the list just to kind of show different components of them and how they interact. Um, so I, I wanted to play Gush. Um, I've been playing Gush uh, since the release of Fast Bond on Magic Online, and uh, Gush, as you know, has been performing very badly in um, in, in the events, and uh, it's a good opportunity. I've tested many different versions of Gush and uh, never really hit up on a list that, that I feel has got good game against Shop and the rest of the field. Um, so when the when the league went up, I thought it was a chance to kind of innovate and try something new. Um, so I ported this list over um, a repeal gush list, um, which is very popular in in Spain over here in uh, in Europe. And uh, so it's a, it's a list which is basically a straight port from a deck that went um, into the top eight of the Bazaar of Moxon. Uh, so there's there's some unusual choices, um, and I'll just go through some of them very quickly. Um, as as George says, the list's in the article. Um, we've got the engine, which is fast bond into Gush, and uh, I include Yangmoth's Will as part of that engine, because uh, if you're able to resolve Yangmoth's Will after a couple of Gush are in the bin, then uh, it just really gets nuts, and uh, the, the card advantage you can accrue from that. But but typically I, I'm casting Yangmoth's Will early on, and just taking a small advantage from it, but that, that small advantage is enough to kickstart you through through into the, into the mid and end game, and uh, give you good board control and card advantage. Um, the win conditions in the deck are really minimal. There's a Blightsteel Colossus, which you can uh, obviously tinker up. Um, and then there's Tendrils of Agony. So what we're going to do really is um, get a, a good gush chain going um, with some of the cantrip spells that we've got here, the repels, brainstorms, and preordains. Um, chucked in with a few, a few tutors to try and build up the storm count to be able to do 20 points of damage with hopefully 10 or more copies of the Tendrils of Agony um, bouncing at their head. Um, the deck's pretty reliant on um, getting an early fast bond, and uh, because of that, there's a good, uh, a good tutor suite. Uh, Imperial Seal comes into its own in this deck because um, you're obviously able to put a card on top of your library and then gush straight into it. Um, the, the, the mana base is pretty light, and that's one of the advantages of, of, of a gush deck, is that you don't need so many lands. Um, once you've got two, you can gush. And then replay a land for you if you don't have if you don't draw one for your third turn. So being able to run light on the mana base is, is one of the advantages of these decks, and it means you get some more of the business spells. Um, there's there's four lotus petals which um, are poor man's moxen in this deck really, um, we've, and we've got the cantrips. Um, Repeal uh, had, had been awesome in testing, um, but was was underwhelming in my first round of. Uh, of the league, um, but the brainstorms and the preordains—they're just immense. They allow you to dig so far into your deck and uh, and, and find and find the components you need to pull together that that lethal um, gush gush storm tendrils um, kill. Um, and then we've got the control package: um, three mana drain and uh, really um, hold, holding up two blue mana early on and, and being able to get a, a drain in, into a gush or. Uh, uh, in, into Gifts Ungiven is really game-breaking. Um, Force of Will, absolutely critical to um, stop some of the broken plays in the format. Mindbreak Trap, which, um, yeah, I'm not sure about that in the current format. I, I tend to sideboard it out in a lot of matches. A um, couple of Duress. Um, would like them to be Thoughtseize, but life matters in this deck when you're abusing Fast Bond. And then a Recall as a nod to Shop. Uh, my sideboard is slanted towards Shop and Dredge, and I won't bore you with the breakdown of that. But that's how the deck goes together. Um, one final thing to talk about is the, the lack of Voltaic Key Combo. Um, I, I've played Gush decks with it and without it, and 
don't get me wrong, the, the, the two cards are an absolute house in the format, and with all these tutors, um, it's, it's very appealing. Um, but you really want to either be holding up um, mana for, for mana drain or delve into the deck early on, and if you've only got one of the combo pieces and um, you, you, you get disruption from your opponent, it, it, it can be kind of cumbersome. So I, I prefer to try a list um, without those two. And because it's a kind of um, fun league, I thought this was a good opportunity to, to play this deck. So a lot of talking there, but if, if the guys have got any questions about the list, uh, if not, we'll move on. Uh, I actually, you know, it might. some people might be like, oh, you're stupid for cutting bulky, but the format is getting very hostile to artifacts, and almost everybody has a way to remove bulky. Very true. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the other thing is that I, I run quite a lot of one... Mana cost casting spells as well, so uh, I hate to see a challenge to the void. Um, I will say though that I think you're running a touch light with only 16 lands. Maybe that mind break trap could be another uh, fetch land. Um, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. I, I've never had an issue with, with lands. I don't know if I just get lucky when I'm drawing, uh, but there's just so much. Um, kind of library manipulation in this deck with the preordains, the brainstorms. Um, heck, if you get into a tight spot, you can repeal the Lotus Petal and just replay it to cantrip it. And, uh, whoa, sorry, guys. Did you just fall out of your chair? I just threw my keyboard on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll just do that bit again. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I see your point, but I've never really had that much problems with lands in the deck. Um, there's so much library manipulation in, in this particular build with the, the brainstorms and the preordains, and uh, if you get into a tight situation, there's also the opportunity to repeal a lotus petal or something like that, or um, more meaningful, like a mana vault, um, just to, to cantrip the repeal. And, and then you've got the gush engine as well, which, of course, is drawing you land, and um, you only really need two to get going, so... Um, I think I will replace the Mind Break Trap, but I think I might replace it with a, another copy of Hercules Recall just because of how annoying the shop matchup is. Let me ask this because either I'm not reading it right, or you didn't, you forgot one card in the list, or I need your explanation because I don't understand. Why are you not running Soul Ring, but you're running Mana Vault? Right, well, first of all, it was um, a port from. Um, the Bizarre Moxon list, but one of the main reasons for it is um, the interaction with Repeal. So if you have Soul Ring and you repeal the Soul Ring, mm -hmm. you're only gaining one mana advantage, okay. whereas if you repeal the, the Mana Vault, you, you gain an extra mana. Maybe maybe putting Soul Ring in, in place of Mind Break Trap would be correct. I think so, George. I think that would be a great call, and it gives um, you another artifact to tinker off of as well. I've been I've been playing Gush all this week because my episode of Penguin TV is about Gush, and I'll say I run 19 lands in my deck, and sometimes I don't feel like that's enough. So that's why I asked about your 16 lands. Sure. I just felt like I just felt like either you're lucky or you're just losing to your mana every game. I, I'm not sure. Well, I, I do get greedy with the Gush builds, and uh, I, I think that is really one of the reasons for running Gush is that you can run light and run more spells. So if I was going to kind of start cranking up the mana, I'd probably want to go down a more controlling route and play a kind of slower game. But yeah, I do I do go greedy, and I do go big to go home. <laughs> um, I will also say you have Lotus Petals, 
and I have dark rituals instead. So that's another, I guess that's a better reason for me to have a little bit more mana is yeah, my rituals. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, if you're playing the, the storm build that I put together a couple of months ago, that's running kind of some of the bigger end spells like Mind's Desire and Yacht's Bargain. Yeah, it's almost the exact same main deck. I tweaked it a little bit by like adding Ancient Grudge, I think. And the sideboard yeah, is is really different. Yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, two. I mean, there's multiple ways of building Gush, and I think that's half the problem is that shop is so stifling of Gush that we the the players haven't really explored it enough. Um, there's there's so much room for innovation and and uh, improvement with the deck. Um, and, and we'll get on to how I fared in round one uh, after everyone else has talked about their deck. Um, all right, so I guess I'm up next, and I've got a good game oath deck that uh, I've been sitting in the background tuning to try and beat Blue, because I feel like, especially with the event last week where there were five Oath decks, I feel like I need to be able to beat Blue more than I need to be able to beat Shop decks. Unfortunately, when we get to my round one, we'll see why that's wrong. But, um, so we've got the Oath engine, which is four druids, uh, four Forbidden Orchards to turn on Oath of Druids, one Emrakul, one Blightsteel Colossus, and I feel like I'm the only one still running two Dragon's Breaths in my Oath list. Uh, I keep seeing, you know, just ones. But then I've got non-Orchard mana. I've got Soaring and Mana Crypt. I leave Mana Vault on the bench. And I've got four Lotus Petal. And then I have five Fetch Lands and two of each Dual Land, one Island, and uh, four pack of Mana Disruption. I've got Mystical Tutor, Vampiric Tutor, Demonic Tutor, Imperial Seal, Tinker as my tutors. And, you know, even though I don't have Gush, Imperial Seal is still amazing. I don't know why people don't play it, if they have the ability to. Uh, for Brainstorm, because it's great. And then my control package is three drains. And, and again, I'm tuning this to beat blue decks. So... Most of the time, I will be able to cast Mana Drain for two mana instead of, like, four or five. I've got three Drains, three Spell Pierce, four Force of Will, and then I've got two Ancient Grudges for the Shop deck, and also Vault Key, and I've got three Beast Within. And anyone who, you know, listens to the podcast know that this is my favorite card in New Phyrexia, and I'm finally, you know, like, dusting it off and giving it a, a place to play. Uh, anyone who does not know... Beast Within kills something like a land and gives them a creature to turn on my Oath of Druids. Beast Within kills a Planeswalker. Beast Within kills my own land to attack a Planeswalker. It kills their Oath of Druids. It does a lot of work. Uh, and then my alternate win, which is Voltaic Key and Time Vault. Uh, I have not, you know, been greedy enough to take them out of my deck yet. And then uh, my sideboard is pretty typical. The only thing that is really... Not normal is the Light from the Loam and the Tezzeret, which, again, I'm trying to beat a blue metagame. These are better than Ancient Grudges in a blue against a blue deck. Light from the Loam is just disgusting, uh, especially with three Wastelands and a Strip Mine. Questions? Seems good, dude. I mean, it looks like you, uh, you're getting, like you said, you're finally getting the dust off the beast within. Have you, has it been pretty good in testing? Oh, it's been amazing. I have done everything with it. It's it's not the best versus shops, but like 
someone attacked me with a dark confidant and I beast within my land and blocked it. It was awesome. Somebody played Jace and drew three cards. I killed my land and attacked Jace and killed it. Um, I blown up someone someone Oath of Druids on turn two. On my turn three, I played Forbidden Orchard, killed his Forbidden Orchard with Beast Within, and he had two creatures and didn't run another Forbidden Orchard out, and I won. It's been it's been really good. Seems good. Seems good. So uh, as far as mana drain goes, is it could it just as I mean I understand mana drains better because in fringe scenarios it'll give you some extra mana that you might need, but has it been like just basically a counterspell in a, in a build like this? Uh, it's pretty much just counterspell. Um, I very rarely can take advantage of the extra one to three mana I get off the drain spell. Yeah, I noticed you don't have any Planeswalkers main deck. Is that your preference now? That is my preference because of how prevalent Workshops is. Boom! Um, <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot resolve a Tezzeret or a Jace against Workshops unless I get a Nut Hand. Yeah. But they're amazing in the they're amazing against blue, so that's why I've got the one that uh seeks out combo. Yeah, it looks like a really solid list, dude. And uh I, I think you'll you'll do well with it. I guess that brings us to your decks, buddy. So yeah, mine uh anybody who knows me knows I was probably gonna play something with the high end of Jace the Mind Sculptor because I love him in a non disgusting way. And uh <laughs> Yeah, it's the a deck, bromance. <laughs> it's a bromance for sure. And the deck that I picked was uh, Jacerator, and I ran the version that I've been hyping lately. Uh, I made a pretty big change to the sideboard, and that was to add a third Surgical Extraction. Uh, this deck, as you'll see in the breakdown, I really like uh, Andy's breakdown. It's listed into deck components, and the engine, the draw engine, like he says on the top, is the four Dark Confidants and four Jaces. So with a deck that's running uh, the number of pedal, or excuse me, the number of Chrome Moxes that I am, which is a full count and all the artifact acceleration, it is running a low land count, but I typically, you know, hope to be in the game against Shop uh, to some degree. Um, it's really, really basic. I guess, my plan. I'm not doing anything crazy. I don't have any, like, tech that you're never going to be like, wow, I've never seen that before. But I think it's also really solid in the fact that it is... This is a deck that, in theory, should own the blue matchup. And, you know, it has discard, it has card advantage, it has creatures, it has a planeswalker, and it also has the uh, artifact of enchantment removal sparsely mixed in. So... Uh, I, I've, I've really enjoyed the deck. It has the the other win conditions are Vault Key, uh, Mere Battle Sphere. Uh, honestly, Jace could be either the engine or the win condition, as as is Dark Confidant. So it's it's got a lot of uh, a, a lot of parts that work together pretty well. And the surgical extractions and testing were beyond amazing. Uh, playing against a deck like Oath, I mean, you have the advantage once you land Jace, but before you land Jace, you have a couple things you can do. And that's like counter the Oath of Druids or to have them discard the Oath of Druids. And either way, those surgical extractions become complete bombs. Because if you take Oath of Druids out of the Oath deck, it becomes a lot weaker. I mean, you basically neuter it. So yep. I've had a lot of fun with it. And we'll go over our matchups in a little bit. But I'll just say in testing, my first round matchup was amazing. I don't think I dropped many games to it at all. Um, how often have you uh, 
ultimated with Jace. Oh, way more than you'd think. Uh, well, I would I would think that you probably ultimate one in five games. Yeah, yeah that's that's probably pretty close. Uh, if I don't if I don't ultimate with Jace, the only other way I win typically is if people see a dark confidant and a Jace on the board and they know they're just not going to win. <laughs> and they just scoop. There's nothing. There's not a lot you can do when when no, you're drawing. Has... You're drawing what three cards every turn? Yeah, you're getting a free ancestral recall with no damage guaranteed each turn. So. That's it's hard to beat. And uh, Thada Adele is probably the techiest card in the deck. She is a beast, a house, everything you want uh, against Oath decks. If you land her, you're you're looking really good because nine out of ten Oath decks I've played against are playing Vault Key. You get either half of that in your hand and Thada Adele out, you're gonna win that game. Is she good enough to want a second copy? You know, I used to have three copies of her in there. But what I found a lot was I, I I typically would tutor for it if it was the right situation. And if I didn't, like, let's put it this way. I'd much rather have other things in my hand most times. I, I do I do like that she pretty much has unblockability against Planeswalkers since all the Planeswalkers are blue. Yep, that is true. The, you know... The problem is she's also only two power, and you don't get the art, that ability if you go after their Planeswalker. No, that's true, but, I mean, sometimes wouldn't it be better to kill a Tezzeret or a Jace? Yeah, yeah, I mean, sometimes it definitely is, so... Oh, and I, I also like that, you know, decks that, like, lean heavily on either Tinker or Vault Key, you don't even need to cast the spell. You can just exile it and keep it there, away from them. Well, the biggest thing that I've noticed in this deck and testing that, like, I love, and, and it's it's almost on a Jace disgusting love level, is uh, Mental Misstep. I, I, I like it more and more. Every time I play with it, it, uh, you know, to be able to have a guy play Time Vault and know that he has to draw Tezzeret to win and Vault Key is not going to work, it's it's pretty solid. It's, it's, it's a pretty good feeling. Seems all right. So this seems a pretty greedy list on the old life uh, with uh, Dark Confidant, Mental Misstep, Thought Seize, the, the Vampiric Tutor. Force of Will. Uh, Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I mean, I, I have to say, I, I think I picked a deck that matched my personality, and if I'm going down, I'm going down like a man. Well, I mean, <laughs> you do have a Sensi Top to tutor into to kind of help mitigate that, and you can always Nature's Claim your own Chrome Boxes. Yeah, and, you know, I actually, <laughs> the funny thing is, is I typically use my nature's claim on myself more than anyone else. It is kind um, of funny you say that. Yeah, uh, you, and you, I mean, you also have the battle sphere, which is getting a little suicide with Dark Confidant. Well, actually... I, I know it's better than Blightsteel because yeah, you save, like, that, five life. You have no idea how many times I've nailed that off the top and said, thank God that's not a Blightsteel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so those are our lists. Do you guys want to go into our round ones? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, maybe I should start with, since my list was uh, was first and all that. Um, my first round was um, against Fist Alpha, and uh, we, we met up very quickly uh, in, in the client. Um, Fist Alpha being from Europe as well, it was easy to find a convenient time slot, and uh, he was playing shop, and I, I knew I'd be up against it because... Uh, Frankly, Shop is my worst matchup, and uh, that's why the sideboard's built the way that it is um, with this build. Um, game one, he gets a, 
a mediocre start, and uh, I wish his game one had been his game three, because uh, <laughs> with my game one build, um, I really don't have that much out to, to shops anyway, um, and, and I, I felt like I, I kind of had some game, um, but I eventually got gra- grinded out, and... Uh, it was it was frustrating, but um, I, I did at least feel like I could have taken the win if I'd have uh, just just drawn a couple more cards. It wasn't a complete blowout. Um, so sideboarding, I bring in the the three Trigon Predators. Um, I bring in the Nature's Claims at Hercules Recall and the Sorrow of Temptation, and I I take out um, the the Duress, um, the Mindbreak Trap. The gifts I'm given, the regrowth, and I think it was uh, some preordains. <coughs> and I go into game two, and uh, I I get pretty lucky, and I, I find an early Blight Steel Colossus off of Tinker, and uh, it's enough to get the job done. He doesn't have Phyrexia Metamorph coming down or, or Duplicant to uh, ruin my day. Um, so 1 1, and um, going into the third against Shop, and uh, really need to p- pray that he doesn't get the, the busted start. And um, I kept a really good hand, but it didn't have the the force of will maybe I should have mulliganed a little bit more aggressively but um mind he opens up with um turn one lodestone golem which is my absolute um worst nightmare um I I, I do have two Hercules recalls though in hand and uh that was the reason for keeping the hand because uh it, it just uh, had had some some brilliant outs um unfortunately um I came on stock when uh, he followed up the turn one lodestone golem with uh uh, turn turn two or turn three. I think it was turn two. I could be wrong. Uh, Chance of the Void set for two and uh, locked me out. And uh, there was really no coming back from that. I I was just uh, a sitting duck and uh, got blown over by a pretty nuts draw from shops and uh, went down two one in the first round. But it was good fun and uh, looking forward to the uh, the round two uh, draws going up and hopefully I can dodge shop this time. George, how was your round? Um, I played against Patlam, who was also a workshop deck, and I looked at his list. I kind of liked the matchup based on our lists. Um, in game one, I got a turn two or three Oath of Druids, and uh, Blightsteel Colossus with Dragon's Breath was enough to win game one. In game two, I did not keep a hand with Force of Will, and he played turn one Lodestone Golem and I think beat me on turn three or four. Uh, game three, I had an excellent hand. There was no force of will, but I had Vampire Tutor, Nature's Claim, three lands, Time Vault, and one of my lands was a Forbidden Orchard. So he won the die roll and played a Spear on turn one. I played my turn one play, and he, I don't believe, did anything on turn two. Then on my turn two, I played my second land, and then his turn three, he played another thorn, and I vampir tutored in response. Then I wastelanded his uh, workshop, and he wastelanded my land. And eventually, the game came down to him just drawing two wastelands, two workshops, and two spheres before I could get a third mana on the table in one turn. And it was a little unfortunate. Because I felt like my hand was definitely going to win the game. And he just got exactly what he needed to stop me from winning. I saw you guys watching. What would you think? Did I make any uh, egregious players besides game one where 
I tried to play Ancient Grudge for four mana when it cost five. Um, I didn't see anything. It's it's always harder watching the replays when you don't see what the grip is, because um, it limits your, your knowledge and information. But from what I saw, it was just uh, yeah, typical shop. Yeah, I mean, I think your biggest mistake was going second. The I, I know it's not your <laughs> choice, but that's going first against yeah, shop is tech. If uh oh yeah, no, I was on the plane game in game three. That's right. So I went turn one land, he went turn one thorn, and I vampiric tutored, and then we traded wastelands, and he played more spheres, and I just couldn't get the three mana. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, a bad shop matchup. Sometimes shops just like that. It can eat your lunch. So. Yep, it, it ate my lunch. How about you, sir? So, as luck would have it, I always get to play my bodies in round one. And it's 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 really like a, an ongoing trend with me. And ironically, I played the guy that I'd been testing with the most. So I got paired with Dunkel in round one. And Dunkel's playing uh, Vicky or Cat Weasel Oath. And we'd been testing all week. And honestly, the testing was so skewed in my favor that he started like getting a little bit angry and testing. And I felt really good going into round one. I'm like, awesome. You know, land adjacent win. That's kind of like my mentality. And uh, I kept a, I kept an opener with one land. It was kind of greedy. It was one land, a brainstorm, three force of wills, and something else. And usually against Oath, they kind of have a tendency to either have, you know, turn one or two Oath, or and and like the rest of the hand's pretty clunky because you you know you get get a good hand like that you keep it, or two they get a hand with uh, a lot of counter magic. And they'll keep it because of that, just like the reason I kept mine. And I was kind of hoping for the latter, which was the one with only a little bit of business. And I thought I was well on the way in game one. He he starts land, I play land, go. He plays Forbidden Orchard Oath, and I counter it on the stack. He matches my Force of Will with the Force of Will, and I had drawn a blue card, so I matched it with another Force of Will with uh, another blue card left in hand. So uh, I stopped his Oath. And I was thinking to myself at that point, I'm like, wow, I can't wait to get those uh, surgical extractions in here. And we, he lets me untap, I draw, play a land, uh, get another blue card. And so I have Force of Will blue card in my hand. And then his turn, he drops a, I think it was a Jace. <coughs> and I attempted another uh, Force of Will. And I, I countered it. And his next turn, he drew for the turn and he... Played another Planeswalker. I think it was a Tezzer at this time, and at that point I was I was kind of done. I was just out. So I had a three Force of Wills played, and and nothing good came of it. Sometimes, sometimes you get a little greedy with the Force of Wills. You, they, they look so good. They might have more spells than you have extra blue cards at, at one point. So that's what happened. Game one, game two, I uh, sideboarded in uh, Thad Adele. The Thoughtseize, or excuse me, yeah, the Thata Adele, the Nature's Claim, and the three Surgical Extractions. And I took out uh, one Chrome Mox, uh, some of the Ramp, and I, I won't bore you with the rest of the details of exactly what I took out, but Game 2 starts and I have a sick grip. I have a one-land hand, but it's an awesome one-land hand. I have Underground Seed, Duress, Surgical Extraction, uh... Then two cards that are like Brainstorm and I don't remember. I think it was maybe a J, something that I couldn't play because I only had one hand, one land. So no I, Force of Will. 
No, I, I wish. If it was Force of Will, I might have been in this game. Uh, so I play Underground C, play Duress, and I look at his hand. And his hand is probably my worst nightmare. And it is... I think I can remember it verbatim. It was Forbidden Orchard, Fetchland, either uh, Misty or Polluted. Uh, Soul Ring and Lotus Petal. So those are the first four cards in the hand. Now there's only three card combination that really scares me, with one of them being like an interchangeable tutor, and it was of course that. Time Vault, Voltaic Key, and Oath of Druids. So I take the Oath, extract it, it's all out of the deck, and it doesn't really matter because he plays Turn 1, Land, Soul Ring, Time Vault, Lotus Petal, uh, Voltaic Key. Good game. And there's really nothing, you know, you can do about a hand like that. So all the testing in the world doesn't help sometimes. Yep, it's true. Um, and just for anyone who's curious, because I glossed it over, I took out three Beast Withins for Ancient Grudge, Light from the Loam, and Nature's Claim. Cool. Uh, so that that rounds up our kind of uh, look at the the player run league so far. Um, we'll we'll be back next week with uh, rounds two and three, and uh, hopefully we'll all be faring a little bit better after our first round losses. Yeah. Um, one other one <laughs> one other thing I want to talk about this week uh, was was one card from M12 that's been spoiled since the last episode, and uh, the M12 spoiler is complete now. Um, but Phantasmal Image is a card which. Uh, Seems like it could have some classic implications um, and applications. It's um, an illusion. Um, it's one colorless and one blue. And when it uh, basically when it enters the the battlefield, it becomes a copy of any other card on the battlefield. So it doesn't target it. It just becomes a copy of another another creature on the battlefield. Um, it's an illusion in addition, um, and it has the the text that when when it becomes the target of a spell or ability, it's sacrificed. Um, so for a relatively low casting cost mana, you can copy a creature on the battlefield, and uh, I think that's pretty cool. I think that could be playing classic. Definitely. Um, probably in like a fish sideboard, I would see it working. Yeah, I think that's a better uh, card maybe than Gilded Drake would be for fish. Yeah, because if nothing else, if you draw a couple of those phantasmal images, you could copy, uh, you know, Kasali Pride Mage or Tarmogoyf. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a pretty cool card. I, uh, I actually went to the midnight pre-release last night of M12. I got my head handed to me in the first sealed flight, but I did split the finals of the first draft, which is pretty nifty. Any, um, any money? I opened an Inferno Titan, Very which cool. I used to trade for a Runescarred Demon and an Unthun Sphinx, which is, a uh, Factor Fiction Sphinx. Very cool. And, yeah, you know, I just threw those into my Commander deck. I played some Commander, too. That was fun. Plan Paper Magic is okay. Very cool, very cool. And I'll, I'll kind of give a uh, preview next week. Andy's got me really turned on to uh, to one deck that he showed me. I'm not going to give too many details. It's something that we've kind of talked about in the past. But I will say it has one combo in there that I never thought of that has become my new favorite thing in Magic. So... As soon as I get a workable list, I will. Uh, I hope to introduce it next week as well. Sounds good. So I think that's probably us for this week, guys. Um, just a little bit of business. We must thank uh, mtgotraders.com for uh, sponsoring us and puremtgo.com for hosting us. And uh, hope you enjoy the coverage of the league, and uh, we'll see you in seven. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, MMOG Sweet League. Have a good one, guys. See ya.